are glad that each and every single one of you are here. And he shared something that I think is exciting for a lot of us, because when we're away, we can watch live, which is really exciting. And you started to clap a few moments ago. And I just have to bring closure. This is for me, not for you. A few of you started to clap. Raise your hand if you've ever started clapping and no one clapped with you and you were embarrassed. I... I feel bad for you. See that guy in the back? It just happened. And, and, and that guy in the back, his name is Nick. He starts clapping a lot, and people don't follow Nick, and I'm sorry for that. I'll give you a hug later. He's like, yeah, that was exciting. Thank you. That was for me and Nick Wilson, um, not necessarily for you. But I'm, I'm that guy. I just get excited in, in group settings sometimes, and I start clapping, and I'm like, no one followed me. I don't get that embarrassed, right? But I do feel bad sometimes when you just start clapping and people are excited and no one follows you and you start looking around and you're like, did people hear me? The answer is yes. They heard you and they watched you and they felt bad for you. So that happened. I know it, it is exciting that we get to be um, live. And a few weeks ago, even while I was traveling, I listened and watched in um, to our message while we were testing it out. And so it's an incredible feature that we get to be um, a part of. Why? Because we can speak uh, to people that are in Canada, and we can speak to people that are sick and at home. And I'll give a shout out to my Nana, not my grandma. My Nana, who is uh, well into her 80s, loves listening into Encounter Church. And I tell you, in the days when we uh, were not live, and, and it's not posted by Tuesday, she's calling me, now Jason, where, where is it? My mom's calling me, hey Jason, where is it? And so this can be a blessing to a lot of people. And a lot of churches are able to use technology for that. And so I want to say thank you. Because of your generosity, we're able to do that and encourage people that uh, not only are traveling, but people that are at home and, and cannot listen in. And so uh, we're glad that we get to be a part of that. And so thank you for clapping just a few moments ago. Makes me feel better. And for those of you that started clapping earlier, brings a little closure to you as well. Um, we are continuing. This is the last Sunday in our series um, about the life of Moses. And I've, I've shared in the past couple of weeks, sometimes it's, it's a little bit frustrating, especially for a communicator, uh, to begin to, to teach on a message. And you're like, oh, how do we cover the life of Moses in just a few weeks? And so I challenged you. Some of you have been doing it because I get phone calls, text messages. Even last Sunday morning, someone came up with a question on something they read in the book of Exodus. And the book of, of Exodus is 40 chapters long, and both between Chris and myself. We're just touching on a few stories. And so I challenge you, if you're not taking time to, to maybe read God's Word, I challenge you to set aside some time and just read what we're not reading together on Sunday morning. And you'll be encouraged. You'll be challenged. Questions may come up um, about who God is. Questions may come up about the life of Moses. And we'd love to help you. And so it's an incredible book. But we're continuing uh, that series today, and this is, will be the last Sunday morning that we talk about Moses. And uh, what's happened already that we've looked at is quite incredible, that God met with Moses in an extraordinary way. When Moses is an, an ordinary man, he met an extraordinary God. And we read early on in the book that God got Moses' attention, and that was through a burning bush. And in that burning bush moment that Moses had with God, he was very clear, Moses, here is what I want you to do. The people of Israel were in captivity, and they lived in the land of Egypt. For 400 plus years, they were in slavery. And it wasn't that the people were just in a routine of, well, this is just the way that it is. This is the way life is going to be. History records that it got worse and worse and worse throughout generations. 
because of the demands of how Egypt was growing and the burden of how they were growing, how they made bricks, how they developed their land, how they took care of their livestock. They put all of this burden and made slaves, and those slaves were the people of God. And those slaves specifically, Moses lived among them. And those were his people, not just his people, but they were God's people. And so God calls Moses to go before the most powerful man on the planet at that time, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh. And he went in front of Pharaoh and he said, God said, let my people go. And and Pharaoh's response is, "I, I don't know this God. Who is this God? And he answers by saying no. And so Moses leaves, and Moses is frustrated. He goes back to God, God, I did what you wanted me to do, and he didn't listen. And so in a sense, what we talked about last week, God didn't deliver. God made a promise, and he didn't deliver, right? Or so Moses thought. And then God clearly communicates to Moses, I am going to deliver. Watch what I'm going to do. And there happens to be a series of plagues that God sends over the land of Egypt to not only get the attention of Pharaoh, but to declare among all people everywhere that God is God. And so God gets the attention of everyone. And I love even sometimes throughout history, we read the tragedies from our known tragedies that we're experiencing, even in Hurricane Harvey, as you've been watching your televisions and reading articles and reading heartbreaking stories, and sometimes those heartbreaking stories mess up the rest of my day. I don't know about you, but I read a story, especially of a child and and of a mother. I read one just this past week of a child clinging to her mother, right? And that devastation, some of you are shaking your head, you read that same story. These, These devastating stories that God uses and redeems for his own glory. God right now is working in the state of Texas. God right now is doing things and writing stories that he, he, he did not write a week ago. And so God uses this tragedy. We can look at stories in World War I, World War II. We can look at stories throughout all of human history to see how God uses tragedy. Well, God sends a tragedy in this story and looking at these plagues, why he's doing it for his own self. He's doing it for his glory. And so he gets the attention in the 10th plague, as we read in this, in this story and in the book of Exodus, is really tough. The plague is that God asked for um, all the lives of the firstborn, the same thing that Pharaoh did years before, right? God asked for the lives of the firstborn of all of Egypt. Well, there's a cry in the land when the firstborn begin to die in the land of Egypt. There's a cry, as you can imagine, right? Literally a cry from home to home, from street to street, from community to community. These people are going to Pharaoh saying, Pharaoh, what is going on? All these crazy things have been happening. What is going on? Well, Pharaoh knows what's going on. Pharaoh was told time after time after time what God was going to do, and his heart was hard, and he did not listen. So finally, Pharaoh says, fine, let the people go. He summons Moses and Aaron in the middle of the night. And in the middle of the night, he looks to them and basically he says, fine, go. Grab your families, grab your children, even take, this is a crazy part of of the passage. He even says, take your livestock, like take what you believe is yours and go. He could have said, just leave, leave the animals, just go. No, he says, I want you out of this land. And the final thing that Pharaoh says to Moses and Aaron before they walk out is incredible. You can read this in Exodus chapter 13. He says, and bless me also. That's, that, 
that's a passage, that's a moment that we can't look over because you have this tussle, this fight between Moses and Aaron and the king of Egypt. Well, well, one fears and believes in a holy God, and one says, I don't even know his name. I don't believe and fear in your God, right? And he sees the glory of God. He sees the power of God revealed in these stories. Or, sorry, we see the story. He sees the power of God unfold before his eyes. And he says, and bless me also. In a sense, Pharaoh saying, Ask your God not to take my life, but to spare mine. And so he says, Moses, Aaron, and go. And this is what they do. Moses and Aaron go before the people, and they say, okay, it's time to go. And they begin to leave. They grab their families. They grab everything that they belong, whatever livestock that they have, and they start leaving uh, the land of Egypt. And that's where we pick up in Exodus chapter 14. We transition and, and see that just before what I'm about to read, Pharaoh regrets his decision. I guess the dust settles, so to speak, in the land of Egypt, right? People are recovering, and the work and the labor that the Israelites were doing had, was not going on, right? They lost thousands and thousands of laborers. What happens to your economy when that happens, right? And he began to see the effect of his own decision, and he regretted it. And what does he do? He takes hundreds. Literally, he was responsible for 600 chariots, and he calls anyone else with a chariot, all the officers of the land, let's go after them. Let's take them back. Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to read a few verses here. This will be on your screen. It's also in the app. You can either hit sermon notes, or you can hit Bible to read along uh, in this text. Exodus chapter 14, starting in verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, just imagine this scene, the hundreds of chariots, right? The people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is this because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. These verses are an extraordinary exchange because time and time before this very moment, the Israelites complained that Moses was bringing them trouble. You would think in some ways that they would look at the life of Moses and say, wow, Moses, our leader. Moses, who grew up in Pharaoh's house, who then turned his back on Pharaoh's house, was a courageous leader. And in many ways, Moses was very courageous. It demanded Moses for him to turn his back. He risked his very life, which is why one reason, a few chapters before you read the story, and Chris shared this a few weeks ago, Moses fled out of Egypt because he feared for his life. So Moses, you think this is our courageous leader. This is the one who stands before Pharaoh and begs, not just for his life, but he's, he's fighting for us. This is our leader. And all of a sudden, these incredible miracles, and, and the Egyptians saw the, the, and experienced these miracles, just like the Israelites did. The Israelites saw these incredible things right before their eyes. And the most incredible miracle is the fact that Pharaoh finally let them go. And they're going off to their own land. And what do they do? Surprise, surprise. They see the Egyptians coming after them. 
And who do they blame? They go to Moses. Say, in, in some ways, you could say, Moses, this is what we told you we were better off. And I don't believe this is everyone, right? Some say there could have been up to one million. We're not sure the amount um, of Israelites wandering in the desert, especially as they had generation after generation. They kept having babies in their wanderings, right? For 40 years, they were out there. These were thousands upon thousands of people. So I don't think everyone said, uh, why are we doing this? But there were a few. There were a few naysayers that go to Moses and say, hey, we fear for our lives. And in, 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 in some ways, Moses, this is your fault. And they don't have time. This isn't a living room conversation. They didn't set up an appointment. Moses, we need to talk to you. No, this is literally while they hear the sound of the Egyptians coming after them, literally they're yelling at Moses saying, see, we told you we should not have left. And Moses says these things, and this is kind of, kind of what I want you to write down, think about, reflect on, because this is an incredible encouragement that Moses gives to Israelites in the moment. I mean, again, no living room, relaxed conversation. This is with raised voices. They don't have a microphone. This is with raised voices. This conversation is happening in this very moment when they fear for their lives. And the first thing Moses says to the Israelites is, fear not. Fear not. Now, if you could place yourself in the shoes of the, the Israelites, you would not want to hear, fear not. Right? Listen to the sound of the chariots. Listen to the roar of the thousands of people that are coming after you in this very moment. Moses, you can say, fear not, but I'm scared. Right? And we don't have time to talk about why, but I can tell you this. I fear for my life in a way that the last 20 years, if you have a 20-year-old, right? Hey, the last 20 years, I've been fine. I was working. I was doing my job. It wasn't ideal. But now you bring me out here to die? And Moses says, fear not. In the face of fear, in the face of losing your very life, Moses says, fear not. The second thing he says is this, stand firm. Now, if fear not frustrated you, if you were the Israelites, right? This one's really going to frustrate you. Stand firm, like stand firm to not cower or to not run, right, is to stand firm. If you stand firm, it's a display of confidence, okay? I'm not scared. I'm standing right here. In the face of the enemy, you want me to stand firm. This is what he says. Israelites, stand firm. Fear not. Stand firm. The third thing he says is see the salvation of the Lord. See the salvation of the Lord. Now, this is a little bit of a turn in the midst of a battle. Fear not, stand firm, but then this one. See the salvation of the Lord. Literally what they could have heard was that, watch this, watch that God will save you. You see it on the screens, see the salvation of the Lord. In some ways, we can interpret this spiritually, and you can think about the salvation that God offers, right? We hear sometimes people talk about that in church, and people that are, have already expressed faith in Jesus, we can say that Jesus Christ offered salvation to all people by his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. We see that's God's salvation, right? But in this moment, they weren't thinking about Jesus. They weren't thinking about Jesus on the cross, right? So when you hear the word salvation... It's a little bit different than what they heard. They literally heard, see that God will save you today. Watch. Fear not, stand firm, watch God save you. That's what they heard. 
without sword in their hand, without a chariot, without a horse. I mean, they may have a donkey, but I don't know about you. I think the donkey's a little slower than the horse and chariot, right? May have had a few horses, but something tells me that some of the horses would have been left behind in Egypt because they were a little bit more valuable. They would have taken their farming livestock. They would have taken some, some, some donkeys. But he doesn't say, jump on the horse and fight. He says, fear not. Stand where you are confidently and watch that God will save you. Watch this. The last thing he says is this, and I love this in Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. I read this story today, and I've read this story several times before and thought through it and reflected. And the story of the Israelites is absolutely incredible and how God took them out of the land of Egypt and gave them their own land. But if I read this and sort of use all of my senses to kind of imagine, to see and to feel and to smell, what this would have been like to hear these words in their moment. In that very moment, standing by a body of water that they could not cross and seeing that the people that you left, your former bosses, right? Your former slave drivers are running after you. And the sound, you, you, you see it on... You see it in movies, right? The war scene. You hear the rumbling. And by the way, I love that scene, right? As long as I'm in the movie, not actually there, right? I'm like, oh, here comes the battle scene. But they weren't ready for battle. They left because they believed that God, or that they believed that God was for them. And they believed that Pharaoh was actually letting them go. But he wasn't. He regretted his decision. And now their lives are on the line. And Moses says something absolutely incredible in this moment. The Lord will fight for you. You receive that in a few ways. You believe it or you don't, right? You believe it or you don't. And if you believe it, I mean, you could, I guess you could turn and say, all right, I wonder what's going to happen. You could turn towards, okay, the Lord will fight for us. What's this look like? What's he going to do? Now, in the past days, the Israelites had just seen God do 10 plagues on the land of Egypt. 10. So it wasn't like that this was coming out of nowhere. You know when Jesus was born? Hundreds and hundreds of years later than what we're talking about right now. Do you know that there's 400 years of silence from the prophets, right? There were only a few people in the land, these prophets, these people that understood the, old, the, 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 the former prophecies and scriptures that we now read in the Old Testament. There were 400 years of silence. So when Jesus came, it was absolutely under the radar. Only a few people were looking out for this, which is why we kind of captured the story of the wise men of the Magi that traveled. Why how it was so bizarre for Mary and Joseph to be holding Jesus in, in these and maybe Jesus was, we think, um, not just an infant, but he's probably 18 months to two years old at that time. And these men show up to say, we've read about this child, and we've been waiting 400 years of silence, 400 years. Now, the Israelites had not experienced 400 years of silence. They did experience hundreds of years of slavery, but the past few weeks were different. God showed up. God showed up and began to fulfill his promise that they would not be in slavery forever. Even though their parents died in slavery in Egypt, they had just seen miracle after miracle and God rescuing them. And here they are at the body of water. And Moses says in a very loud voice, 
over the people of Israel. And everyone, I'm sure, could not hear Moses because, again, no megaphone, no speakerphone. But Moses yells out, the Lord is fighting for us. Watch. And what happens next is absolutely incredible. Look, look in verse 15 with me, Exodus chapter 14, starting in verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know this is a time-sensitive word. Today, right? The Egyptians shall know today that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. We're privileged to see in the book of Exodus because Moses records the book of Exodus. We're really privileged to see some dialogue back and forth between Moses and God. And what's different about this time is there's not much time for conversation, is there? And so there are many times that Moses, after leaving Pharaoh, right, he leaves Pharaoh, it didn't go so well with Pharaoh. He goes back to God and says, God, but you said, and we see this dialogue, not, not here. Moses doesn't go back to God and have this long conversations, but, but here we see that God interjects and says, Moses, why do you cry to me? And so right after Moses, I'm sure said to the people of Israel, watch the Lord fight. There was doubt in his heart. Wouldn't there be in yours? Like you believe God, but you still doubt. Have you ever had that struggle in, inside your heart? Like I believe, but when I wake up tomorrow morning, I feel different. It's like I don't believe. I had this doubt. That's Why? Because I see my reality. Some of you are experiencing hard times. And you would, you would say, I, I really do believe that there's a God. I really do believe that even God loves me, but I feel so far from him. In this moment, in verse 15, why do you cry to me? Tell the people to move forward. Now, moving forward, you see a body of water. And so what Moses does, he lifts up his staff. There have been miracles that already overflowed from the staff. And God says, Moses, lift it up. Today, the people of Egypt will die before your eyes. Lift it up and watch what I will do. You got to read the rest of the chapter, right? Unless you want to be here until 2 p.m., right? I don't think you do, right? Um, you got to read the rest. I mean, what happens is, is extraordinary. But I want to highlight still again, verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. And this is exactly what God did that day. I do believe that what, when Moses was saying this truth, it not only is true for the Israelites, but it's true today and what God does in, in the lives of people. And some of you could say where you are in your journey and in, in your spiritual journey of faith that, that you're searching, that you're curious about God. Even just a um, about a week and a half ago, I had someone ask me questions um, really just about God because they want to believe. They're just not sure where they are. And they're searching and they're curious about who God is. And others of you have a journey of faith where you have believed in God and you've been walking to pursue God and to know God for years. And your, your faith when you read this text is a little bit different than someone who's just searching. Well, know this today. That we believe not just from what we read in the scripture, but what we see also in the New Testament, what we see in Jesus, that God today is active. That God today is real. God today is active and real in the lives of people, including you. Do you believe that God can fight for you? So there's a tension here. 
And sometimes the, the tension is hard, is hard to determine kind of where that line is. When, when do you let, the, let God fight for you? And when do you fight for yourself? Now, letting God fight doesn't mean you kind of sit back on your hands and just say, and I, you, you, you've said this before. Maybe you said this before. Well, I just got to kind of let go and see what God does. Right? It's when you feel powerless. You kind of say things like, well, I'm just going to trust God. I've done my part. I'm just going to kind of lay low. There's a time for that. But there's, there's also the other end, right, where we don't just sit back and, and just hope that God does everything, right? We actually have responsibility, right? It's my responsibility to leave my home. It's my responsibility to be a man of integrity, to make the choices that, that honor God. But I also, there, there are times when I just feel powerless. In 2003, when I met my beautiful bride, she fell in love with me instantly. Why are you laughing? I, I was pretty quick to let her know that I like her. And she was pretty quick to let me know she did not like me. Now, this is a story, that maybe a long version for another day, but she actually went to Chris. Yes, Pastor Chris, right here in the back. And she said, you've got to tell that guy, me, that I don't like him. This actually happened. I'm not, you can't make this stuff up, right? It's bad when someone says, this actually happened, right? Because as if I were not telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. This happened. And she goes to Chris, and she said, you've got to tell Jason I don't like him. We're just friends. Well, Chris never told me that. He's like, I'm not telling him. So what, what did I do? I just kept pursuing, right? I just kept pursuing, and I was convinced she liked me. Fellas, you kind of know, even when a girl says, I don't like you, you kind of know. You're like, she likes me. I just kind of knew. Is Rachel in here? Okay, good. She can't just, oh, she is. I'm sorry, baby. I, did, I didn't mean to say good. Um, it's true. Like, I just kind of knew that she liked me. Well, there was a season after about three months. Yes, three months is a very long time. We're like, you want to go out? She's like, with your friends. Like, if there's a group of you, but I'm not going one-on-one. -on -one. Finally, she said yes to a date. And we were literally on the way, okay? I'll never forget it. Driving my truck, listening to country music, because that's a true date. Um, listen to country music, roll down your windows. Some of you like that, some of you don't. And she says, hey, I just want to let you know, this, we're just friends. I mean, this is like on the way to a restaurant together. But I'm like, but you're with me by yourself. This, isn't a, this, is, this is a date. She's like, no, it's really not. So we had an argument about whether or not we were dating or not. Um, I was convinced, like, she likes me. I, the way she's looking at me, she likes me. Um, and so there was a time when I got discouraged because I did everything I thought I knew how to do. And I wasn't successful, right? And guys should get a clue. Stop doing it, right? But I didn't. I just kept pursuing. I kept pursuing. I'm like, I'm going to win this battle. This is my battle to win, and I am going to win. And so there was a time about three months after that drama, I got discouraged. I remember calling up and talking to my mom. She said, how's Rachel? What's going on there? I'm like, well, I kind of, I think I'm just throwing in the towel. And she said, you know, you, you might not know this story, but your, your grandfather, who died before I was born, he died in 1975. And so um, she said, your grandfather used to always say this, and he did not grow up a Christian, my grandfather. He um, began to display his kind of faith in Christ and had a, a conversion to Christianity quite soon before his death and did not live many years as a Christ follower, did not live many years as a Christian. But when he did, uh, he gave it all to the Lord and really began to be passionate about Jesus and started going to church, taking the family to church. And they were like, what's this church thing? And, but my mom told me that day, she said, your grandpa used to always say, you got to put feet to your prayers. And I thought, 
What does that mean, right? Put feet to my prayers. Like I'm, She said, you know, you're praying and trusting in the Lord, but you're also acting in faith. It's not one or the next. I'm like, well, listen, I'm doing all the acting and I'm doing the praying. Like I'm doing everything I can. And I knew that it was, it was time for me to kind of take a back seat because I was in control, right? And I, I, I just determined I was going to do anything I could to convince Rachel Elizabeth Axtell to be Rachel Elizabeth Hodges. But it wasn't working. And I, and I knew in that moment, I said, Mom, I am putting feet to my prayers, maybe too much, right? Like I'm trying to control. And while that's a true funny story about, it wasn't funny at the time, maybe you can laugh about it now. But while that's a true story, we do that, don't we? We, we want to take control, especially when things aren't the way they should be. We take control in our home, and sometimes it becomes too much. We take control in the workplaces, especially when things aren't the way we want them to be. We take control, but there's a time to just say, Lord, I believe that you can do this, and I believe that you will. And so for me in that story in 2003, I, I did take a back seat, didn't I, Rachel? And one day she called me. It's true. She called me one day. I said, oh, are you? She said, I'm just curious what you're doing tonight. I'm like, are you inviting me on a date? She's like, no. I said, yes, you're inviting me on a date. I'll pick you up at seven. <laughs> so two, two months of me just saying, you know what? I, I can't over control this situation. I need to sit back and I really need to trust the Lord. I didn't believe that, that God in that moment, at least when historically, just for this particular time, I really didn't believe that God would do what he did. And, and while that can be applied in so many different ways, that was me fighting for myself, right? And I know it's a silly example, but there's a lot of true, more true examples for your life right now and what you're dealing with. But there's a time to say, Lord, I believe the Lord that you can fight for me. So um, as I wrap up this sermon and this series, I want to ask a couple of questions of reflection. When you hit sermon notes, they're in the app. And so you can download encounterchurch.com forward slash app. Just hit sermon notes. And I want you to really reflect on these questions. And while that's kind of a funny but true story, they're more serious matters today. And I, just these few questions I want to ask. Number one is this. Do you take difficult matters into your own hands or do you leave margin for God to work on your behalf? Do you take difficult matters into your own hands or do you leave margin for God to work on your behalf? Because it may be the case that God wants to do something different than what you're trying to do. You leave space and you say, okay, God, I've worked hard enough here. I'm going to leave this for you. Question number two for reflection. Do you find yourself consumed or overwhelmed with the challenge before you? Or do you take peace in the fact that God is more powerful than you? Do you take peace in the fact that God is more powerful than you? Because that perspective changes everything about the way that we live. So you know what? God is more powerful than me. And I'm going to let God be more powerful than me by trusting in him. The last question for reflection is this. Do you believe today that the Lord will fight for you? Do you believe today that the Lord will fight for you. Though when Moses said that, he was not speaking directly to Jason. He was not speaking directly to you. He was telling the Israelites, today, God will fight for you. But we read throughout scriptures, we see stories throughout scripture that God is working 
in the lives of people. He's working in my life. He can work in your life. But the question is this, do you believe that God will? And do you believe that God can fight for you? The reason today that the answer to that question can be yes is because of Jesus. I said earlier what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, hundreds of years after Moses, hundreds of years after the time when the Israelites came out of Egypt and into their own land, Jesus Christ appeared. Your calendar is built around this man named Jesus. He appeared in history. He died and rose again from the dead and made a proclamation. And that proclamation was that anyone, that's you, no matter where you are in your life, that's, that's me, that's you, that anyone listening today online, anyone that you share this podcast with down the road, right, um, that may listen to this, anyone listening, anyone can have faith in Jesus by confessing that they're a sinner and by asking Christ to forgive their sins. That Jesus wants a relationship with you and that Jesus does enter into the lives of people just like you and just like me and he does fighting that you cannot do. I believe ultimately what can win the day in your life is God's hand, not your power, not your wisdom, not your effort, but the fact that God loves you and that God desires to enter into our lives in a very powerful and real way. Over the next few days, I hope that you'll take the opportunity to pick up an Exodus chapter 14, read the rest of the chapter, be captivated by the story, and just keep reading and see that God is real and that God does enter into the lives of people just like you and just like me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth. And this truth is that you fight on our behalf and that you desire to not only be someone that we talk about, someone that we read about, but someone that we experience. And I pray that in this very moment, no matter where people are, people that are in this room, people that are listening online, would take the opportunity to reflect and think about the fact that you want to be present in our lives. And for those that are seeking or desiring next step, I pray that you would encourage their hearts to leave here and take that next step of faith and even pray on the way home or sometime even today or even tonight to say, God, I really believe that you can fight for me and that you will. Thank you for this truth. And we pray that you would continue to move in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to enter into a, a time that we do every week at Encounter where it's just a few minutes before we head out. Um, and through song, we just kind of create space because oftentimes uh, it takes a little bit of space to actually reflect and to apply and to process through um, just life and the lesson from today applied to life. So every week we finish up with a song and through that time, uh, we carve out space for a couple different things to happen. One, if maybe you're here for the first time and uh, you'd like to learn more about the church or maybe allow us to begin to pray for you in specific struggles that you may have. Um, we use this time for you to engage with us on the app, whether in the connection card or whether specifically in a prayer request or for some of us um, who maybe say, you know, what, I want to be a part. I want to start serving, volunteering. Um, I'm interested in learning more about groups. All those options are available on the app for you to um, kind of have this space to respond. It's also a place that we use um, for us to practice our generosity. As a church, we are very generous, and it's because God has been generous to us. And, um, and so I don't really talk about giving a ton or spend a lot, because I know for many of us, let's just be honest, that, that can be an awkward thing. We've had bad experiences. We've had um, 
maybe even negative connotation when you associate church and money. But we actually believe as the church, God's heart was that the church would be the most powerful, helpful, hopeful organization on planet Earth. And from the very first day that we began to hold services, that's been at our heartbeat to be generous. And, um, and so as a church, just for you to know, uh, every, uh, we, we believe in this idea of the tithe, which is this ancient concept of 10%. And so as a church, every, every, every week that we get offerings, whether in person or online, like many of you do, um, we actually give 10% of it away. And uh, we, we do, we locally impact, but we also partner with organizations nationally and internationally to make a difference around the world. And um, this year, in the midst of um, building out this space and um, kind of us as a group jumping out in this bold faith of hundreds of thousands of dollars to construct this space, we also said we want to make sure this year we give away more money than we've ever given away. While we're asking to raise more money than we've ever raised, we want to give away more money than we've ever raised. And so this year, we will give tens of thousands of dollars away. And uh, we... Um, one of the things that we normally give to is a relief organization that works, that just responds. Whenever something happens instantly, they mobilize, they use volunteers, and they, they just go to the site, and they begin to work. And, and for some of us, uh, you, like Jason mentioned earlier, you've been brokenhearted by what's happened in Houston this week. And um, just for you to know that um, the people who call Encounter Church Home, you're generous. And your generosity, your giving... Um, has already allowed us to be able to send thousands of dollars this year already to this relief organization. So um, just know that you're already starting in Houston this week before you even showed up. But this week, we were just specifically burdened watching the stories. And because of our relationships, because of networks, um, we, we know um, churches in Houston. And so we just wanted you to be aware this week, one of the things we're going to be doing is sending a $3,000 check just to kind of supercharge what they're already doing. Because we want to we, we come alongside. We really do believe that there can be hope and help even in the, the most darkest and, and deepest moments of despair that God whispers hope. And sometimes it's through action. And so know that your giving matters. Know that your generosity is making a difference, not just in this community, but communities all around the world. And this week specifically um, in Houston. And so I just wanted to let you know on behalf of those people that you're already serving, thank you. That when you watch the news and you're praying, know that you're a part of a church being hope and being help to people in in a hopeless, helpless place. And so I want to invite you to stand. Um, We're going to respond in singing. We'll also respond in giving. But um, thank you for being generous. Thank you for being a people who are willing to step in. And as we come back next week, I want to invite you back. we kick off a new series. The best is yet to come for Encounter Church. And we're excited about the days ahead and the, this new chapter getting ready to unfold. And thank you for being here today. Let's sing.